I can pretty much write for any editorial outlet, but if I want to have a career and be financially successful, I had to really lessen the editorial side and up the branding side, and I'm actually okay with that. You're listening to Financial Grown-Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money, but it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown-up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hey, grown-ups, if you are like me, you love to read, but if we're being honest, it doesn't happen. The time just flies and the intention does not become reality. So do what I do. Get the intel you want in a way that matches your schedule. I recently started using the Blinkist app and I love it. It puts the content of books that you wanna read into powerful summaries called blinks, usually just a minute at a time. A whole book can be 15 minutes-ish, just like this podcast, right on your favorite device. Text or audio totally fits your lifestyle. I am obsessed. Go to bobbyrebell.com forward slash Blinkist for a free trial and to support the show. Let's get real now about the whole scam, and yeah, I'm calling it a scam, about working for the love of the job, being fulfilled, That's called a hobby, or it could be part of your education, fine, but we're talking about grown-up jobs not being paid a living wage, because if we're being honest, who can enjoy a job truly if you can't afford your life the minute you leave work? The way your employer shows appreciation ultimately is through pay and other compensation. I'm not saying anyone should take a job that makes them miserable. Of course, that would be so wrong. But you're going to hear my guests describe a prestige job that literally paid so little that it was kind of an open secret that the employees were supported by wealthy parents. And that is just wrong. Even people who have wealthy parents should make a living wage. Stick with me here. First, a little schedule announcement. Last fall, we started doing bonus episodes now called Financial Grown-Up Guides. They were going to run occasionally on the weekends, like once or twice a month. But The feedback has been so great that they ended up being every weekend. And we have decided to commit to doing them every week and move them to Fridays. So look for new financial grown-up guides starting a week from this Friday. So we're gonna skip this Saturday because they no longer run on Saturdays. So look for the next one a week from Friday. As part of that, we are going to move what we call classic episodes, like this one, to Tuesdays. So Tuesdays, you're gonna get episodes that are High Achievers Sharing Money Stories. Fridays, we're gonna bring you Financial Grown-Up Guides. I hope you guys are excited as I am. Now, let's talk about the whole getting paid thing. And yes, your parents, income, lack of income, whatever, not relevant. You deserve to be paid. I don't care. Our guest today is Take the Leap author, Sarah Bliss. She is a brand advisor, the author and co-author of 11, yes, 11 books, and has written for pretty much all the places that matter, ranging from travel and leisure to Refinery29. And she knows how to get paid and how we can too. Here is Sarah Bliss. Hey, Sarah Bliss, you're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I am looking at your 
relatively new book. It's actually coming out in paperback as well. It's called Take the Leap, Change Your Career, Change Your Life. So congratulations on the success of the book. Thank you. I'm so happy with it and how everyone's receiving it. People have been really into it. So we're going to circle back and talk about the book in a few minutes because a lot of our financial grown-up guests are actually featured in Take the Leap, which I loved reading. But I want to hear about your own story. Your money story has to do with your own version of taking the leap. You were working at the front desk of an auction house. You were like a desk assistant. And then you managed to pivot into something totally new. Tell us your money story, Sarah. So I started in the art world and I realized pretty quickly it just wasn't for me. I felt like we were kind of moving art from like one Park Avenue apartment to another. And I just wasn't super psyched about like how much art sold for, which is what you have to be focused on if you're in that world. And I was writing all the time on the side. So I took a writing for magazines class at NYU at night and I ended up getting hired at House Beautiful as an assistant. And then that led to a whole magazine writing career. And a few years later, I started freelancing and I wrote a couple books and that really took off. Let's go back and talk about the money situation. So first of all, the money, when you're working in the art business, how does the money work there? I mean, what would be your path at that point as a desk assistant working in the front of an auction house and doing all these other tasks? What was that picture like? And then what was it like transitioning to being a writer from a financial standpoint? Well, the job at Christie's actually paid hourly with no benefits. It was ridiculous. It was basically designed for you to like, for people who have wealthy parents. (laughs) I needed to make money. But then I chose another career where you don't make a ton of money starting out, but which was in magazines, but I was salaried and I had benefits and I made a little bit more than I did at Christie's. So that was exciting. And was that first job your dream job? It wasn't. It was, it was my dream job to be in magazines, but it wasn't to be writing about design. I wanted to be in women's magazines, but you, you get pigeonholed really early, even if, if you want to change your career. And if you don't have stuff on your resume that like directly correlates to what you want to do, people just can't see it, even at like a super young age, I think. So for me, that writing for magazines job was like kind of crucial to getting me there. But the stuff that I was writing and publishing in small local papers was about like art and design because I had that experience. So then, it, you know, it made sense. So Even from my first job, I always wanted to leap and kind of keep leaping. So I've always had that mentality. Let's talk about that. So you were constantly sort of trading up jobs and assignments. How did you get to a level where financially it was sustainable to be a writer? So I went freelance way sooner than I should have, in all honesty, because I got married and my husband was in business school in Boston. We had a plan to leave New York for a couple of years. And I saw from being on the editorial side that actually the freelancers did pretty well. I mean, if you, at that time, a feature story for a magazine, you know, around averaged around $2,000. And then I got a book assignment pretty early on. So you can make a living. I mean, it wasn't a huge amount of money, but I mean, it was definitely under six figures, but I hustled a lot and wrote for everyone. And when you need to make money, that's actually a great career motivator. I did well at my career because I needed to make an income. It wasn't just like a fun hobby job for me. It was was a serious serious career. But then in 2008, the financial crisis really ended up affecting my industry That combined with the advent of the internet has really killed magazines and has also has really devalued my work as a writer. So now 
how have you adjusted and pivoted to maintain financial viability? So the key for me was I realized early on that, or kind of pretty quickly into this, that a lot of the brands I wrote about, they started wanting branded content. So they wanted to create their own in-house magazines or their own online blogs. They wanted copy that sounded really like enticing and cool and, and the way, um, you know, it would in a magazine if someone, if a editorial writer was writing about it. So I jumped on board with that bandwagon and I've worked for some amazing clients. I've worked for Bobby Brown and Estee Lauder and Aaron and Rosewood Hotels. And I've done all that. And it's wonderful because the brands pay a lot better than editorial now. Editorial now, if you're writing on the internet, you can get, sometimes you're paid based on your traffic, which is ridiculous. Sometimes you're paid based on assignment and that's anywhere from like 50 to $250 for an editorial online assignment. Uh, It pays a little better if you write for the magazines, but those assignments are less and less and less. So branding has been the key for me to financial viability in this career. What is the lesson for our listeners? So I think the lesson is you really need to see the direction your industry is going. I really saw pretty quickly that magazines were shrinking and that opportunities were less and less and that I could, I can pretty much write for any editorial outlet, but if I want to have a career and be financially successful, I had to really lessen the editorial side and up the branding side. And I'm actually okay with that. I love the branding work that I do. I'm very happy that I can make money from it and that I can add value. And it allows me to then take on projects that I really love and think need to be out in the world, like Take the Leap. Let's talk about your money tip before we get to Take the Leap. Yes. So I am a bit of a cheapskate. I hate spending money on things that don't matter. When we go out to lunch or breakfast or a bite with our kids, we always have the kids order water. I hate it when they want to order like mango smoothies that cost like $10 each and all of it adds up. And the next- yeah, they're not necessarily, I mean, mango smoothies are not really bad for you, but they are sugary. It's not, these are, water is better. Yeah, I would argue. Yeah, no, it's like soda and apple juice and all of it just is so expensive and silly. And so the next step that we're supposed to do that I read about in that magazine was to put that money that you would save on the drinks into a savings account for your kids. And then they can kind of see the benefit of making those kind of small choices and how quickly they add up. I like that you're taking it to the next level. Yes. So they're making the connection. (laughs) No, absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay, let's talk about Take the Leap. So this book, by the way, it was endorsed by Barbara Corcoran, Bobby Brown, also Simon Dunan, who had been very well known as the window dresser for Barney's. I loved his story because I never thought about the fact that he felt judged when when people were looking at the windows. I always thought they were just, he always just had that confidence. The stories are very raw and honest. They're um, often first person. And they often have specific tips, like Barbara Corcoran has specific tips for people that want to make these kind of career pivots. Tell us more about, for example, oh gosh, I don't know, what's your favorite stories? I have to say, I like the really radical ones where people just completely reinvented their lives. I even like the ones that where there, there was like a struggle involved or people were really kind of unhappy and having a hard time with stuff. 
Also, 70% of the people in my book are making more money at their new careers than they were at their previous careers, which is a statistic that makes me super happy. Surprising and surprising careers. I have two lawyers. Uh, I have lots of lawyers, like previous lawyers in the book, but one of them is now a florist and the other one is a high-end custom tailor in Chicago and he has all these celebrity clients. And both of them actually make more money now in their dream jobs than they did in the law. And I, I love that fact. And also one thing, so for example, with the flower shop example, the advice there was to get a job at a flower shop first to learn. So the book is very practical. It doesn't just tell the stories. It tells you how you can apply them to your own lives. Like, for example, Christina Alger, who was a guest on the show, she talks about she went, she left Goldman Sachs to go write a novel. And by the way, she did do it while she was working a little bit. So she made an easy transition. This is yeah. not a book of like, go in and say, I quit and just no. walk out. And like instantly you're, you know, having the perfect small business featured on a commercial. Christina's, you know, she talks about growing a thick skin. And she also talks about remembering that writing is a business. A lot of this book, the anecdotes focus on the fact that your dream job doesn't have to, and in fact, should not pay less. No, no. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I think you have to realize, I mean, everyone can have these amazing ideas and that's terrific, but I also think you have to make sure it's financially viable. And so for all these stories, I was very, very focused on how these people did it financially. And the reality is often they had to take a step back before they could kind of leap forward or they had to make sacrifices and downsize. I mean, there's a guy who worked on Wall Street and was pretty successful and he ended up going and being an apprentice for a year with a winemaker. And that involved him, you know, sleeping on a mattress in a, you know, studio apartment in California and living a very different, you know, just wearing t-shirts and jeans and, and living a very different life and, and making a lot of sacrifices in order to make that work. Sacrifices, um, but was part of a strategy. It wasn't like, I'm just going to live this way permanently. It's like, this is a transition to learn my new trade and then I can upsize. I mean, even Bobby Brown is in the book, which is great because you think of her as a makeup brand. She sold her makeup brand and now she has a new brand. She has a hotel in New Jersey and she's studying nutrition. All these things. I mean, who knew? I know. She's amazing. I mean, she's reinvented herself at 61 and I love it. I mean, she has a new line that just launched with Target. It's all like beauty from the inside out products, like, you know, beauty vitamins and collagen powders and, and it's sold in the beauty aisle and it's a genius idea. And I love that she's putting herself out there because she was probably in a position where maybe she could have been like, all right, I'm going to go to the Bahamas for a while and, and not do anything. And I love it. She just wanted to get back in the game and put something out there. And she's in full startup mode with her business. That's awesome. At age 61. All right, Sarah, where can people find you, find out more about the book, all that good stuff? So I have a website, sarabliss.com, S-A-R-A-B-L-I-S-S. And the book is on Amazon. And Or if you want to support indie bookstores, go to indiebound.com. And my favorite indie bookstore is The Lit Bar, which is owned by a woman named Noelle Santos, who actually did a crowdfunding campaign and is in my book to open her dream uh, indie bookstore slash wine bar in the Bronx. And it's just opened and the coolest, most amazing place. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Before we get to my take on the interview, I have some exciting news to share with everyone. I recently became totally obsessed with an app. It is called Blinkist. 
It summarizes books to just about 15 minutes. Yeah, kind of like this podcast, about 15 minutes. In fact, you can even listen to one minute chunks at a time. They call them blinks. So now I have been cruising through several books a day at a time and loving it. So much so that I actually reached out to Blinkist and was able to bring them on board as a partner to the Financial Grownup Podcast because I want you guys to have this too. I know how precious your time is. Please use my link, bobbyrebell.com forward slash Blinkist. You'll get a free trial and then report back to me what your favorite Blinks are so I can thank you for supporting the show. Again, the link is bobbyrebell.com forward slash Blinkist. Let me know how you like it. Here's my take, guys. Financial grown-up tip number one. I'm gonna reveal something that I don't actually talk about directly on this show, but I think you guys should really understand how money works in a lot of somewhat creative industries. I did what Sarah did only for on-camera work. I looked at the time involved and the pay tied to working in editorial content, on-camera work for a corporation, and I made a career pivot to doing more working in partnerships with brands. And not only does it pay more, I truly love the work. So think about what you do now and if there is a different kind of employer or a different kind of client that will have the financial resources to pay you more for the work that you already love to do. Financial grown-up tip number two. I want to add to what Sarah said about learning a new craft and being real about what it takes. For example, when I decided to talk more about personal finances as opposed to the stock market and economic news that I had covered as a journalist before writing my book, I decided to become a certified financial planner. It was so challenging, guys. Tears of exhaustion and frustration were involved on a regular basis. But I did it so I could make a career transition with the street cred that I wanted. I encourage and support all of you to do the same in your ventures. Sarah's mantra is begin anyhow. You are ready now. This is the time to take control. Please be in touch. Let me know what you are doing to level up your career and the money you earn. DM me on the socials, BobbyRebel1 on Instagram and BobbyRebel on Twitter. We will be back with a new classic episode on Tuesday, followed by a financial grown-up guide next Friday. Big thanks to Sarah Bliss for helping us all get one step closer to being financial grown-ups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.